Welcome to this next video Bible study series. After a lot of thought and prayer, I've decided to uh, go back and uh, lay a foundation, if you will. Um, everyone who teaches anything usually has a particular underlying foundation that is the basis for everything they teach. And all of us as humans actually have foundations for everything we believe in life. And those foundations, those foundational beliefs, direct a lot about what we think about things, how we feel about things, how we interpret things around us, even how we look at the scripture and what we think about God and those kind of things. So I'm going to start a new series today that looks at two major areas that most of us probably don't think about day in and day out that we're actually involved in every day of our lives. You know, what is God up to and why are we here? And some of us think about that maybe more than others, but what we really believe about what God, who he is and what he's up to has a lot to do with how he, we perceive that he responds to and interacts with us as human beings. Um, you know, if we don't really understand what God is up to, and especially who he is as a person, then we will have uh, ideas about his actions that are less than accurate. Okay. Uh, let me give you a little illustration of what I'm talking about. I spent many years in the building industry and people would come to me as a builder with a desire and the desire was for a shed in their backyard or a new home. Um, sometimes I built furniture for people. They wanted uh, a desk or a hutch or something of that sort. Um, so they would come to me with a desire. And then what the next step was to come up with a blueprint, a sketch, a picture of a magazine. You know, I want a desk that looks like that. Or it looks kind of like this, but a little different, maybe a little taller, maybe a little shorter, whatever, uh, a little wider. Uh, I want these kind of drawers, those kind of things. Okay, so they would come up with a desire. They already had that. And then we would come up with a plan, a blueprint. Okay, so let's think about God as the builder and we are the building. Okay, he started out with a desire. And the desire was, he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. He wanted to build man. And he used himself as the blueprint. He's going to build us to be like him. Let's say you came to me one day and you had a lot of money and you wanted a house just like the Biltmore Mansion in Asheville, North Carolina. That's a beautiful estate. It was built uh, years and years ago, I believe by the Vanderbilt family. And um, I'm sure there were blueprints. It was the, at one time, it may still be, the largest single 
family dwelling, uh, maybe in the United States or at least east of the Mississippi. Beautiful place. I've been there. Okay, let's say you wanted to build one just like that. Well, I'm sure you could probably find the blueprints if you had the right <laughs> connections. And then uh, you would find out exactly the layout of the house, the materials that were used. There'd be stacks of pages in there uh, with specifications about where the marble had to come from, what kind of wood would be used, and the dimensions of everything, and all that stuff. Okay, so if you're going to build one just like it, then you would need to know the blueprints and all the specifications that went into that. And then throughout the process, if someone had an idea, hey, let's do such and such, and we consult the blueprints, and we see that, well, that's not consistent with the blueprints. It calls for Italian marble. You can't use that other stuff <laughs> that comes from wherever. Uh, no, it, it calls for... Um, this kind of plumbing and that kind of electrical circuitry, uh, this kind of walnut or oak or whatever wood was used in the uh, in the woodwork in the house, and the shingles on the roof, everything is specified. And so, if we had ideas about, well, let's use this room as the uh, a guest room rather than the library. Well, but that would you could do that, but it wouldn't be like the Biltmore Mansion. It wouldn't be like the original. It would be different. Okay, so having a blueprint is important and based on the purpose of the structure, it's important to stick with the blueprint. All right now, God is the builder. He's the one that has the final say concerning man. You know, when people would come to me and I was building something according to a blueprint, and they wanted to do something different. Well, yes, we could do that. But what you had in the end would not be according to the plan. It would not be according to the desire of the customer. And in this case, God's not only the builder, he's also the customer. He's the one that was looking for something. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, what he was actually looking for, let me just go ahead and give it to you, is a home to live in. Uh, the Bible says that it is God who made us and not we ourselves. And Peter talks about as living stones, we are being built into a habitation for God. So God built us to be his home. And he built us according to specifications. And he's sticking with those specifications. Now, as rigid as that sounds, in reality, everything that you and I desire, everything that you and I need, to live life in a meaningful, fulfilling, and purposeful way depends on God finishing what he started in the way he plans to do it. Uh, our ideas may seem kind of nice. Uh, it may seem uh, attractive to other people or to the world system around us, but that would be like repurposing us for something that we were not designed to be used for. And we would never find the fulfillment that God intends us to have as his living home, the home that he would live in and live through. So I'm going to talk about two words that most of us don't get up every morning and think, gee, I want to talk about these two ideas today and think about these two ideas. And those two words, two ideas are theology 
in anthropology. And I'm, I used to think, well, I'm neither one of them, uh, either a theologian or an anthropologist. But the truth is, the word theology just means words about God. Okay, what do we say about God? What we believe about God is very, very important. You know, if I believe God is mean or uncaring, if I believe he's a pushover, if I believe he's too busy for me, if I believe he's all about this or that or the other, and I leave out parts of the nature and the character of God, it's almost like I've painted a caricature of God, where you know, you've seen those pictures that people paint on the sidewalk or draw on the sidewalk of an individual, and they might accentuate their ears or their nose or their eyebrows or some feature that really seems to stand out, and they diminish other features. Well, most of the time, we as humans will catch a glimpse of some part of God's character, and it becomes almost like the only part of God's character, his justice or his mercy or whatever. And we will maximize that part of his character and minimize other parts of his character. So they all, some of those parts almost diminish so much that they just disappear altogether. And this other one becomes just massive, and that's all we see. Almost like the blind man looking at the elephant, and they all touch different parts, and they describe the elephant very different. And all of them were right, but all of them were not completely right. All right, so what we say about God, the, the, the words we speak about him, revealing what we believe about him, I believe all of us need to be humble enough to agree with the reality that none of us knows God perfectly that there's more to learn about this infinite Father in heaven than we can ever grasp in this lifetime. We'll spend eternity getting to know God. And so holding on to our belief about who and how and uh, God is and why he acts the way he does needs to be held with, kind of with a loose grip or at least allow it to expand and understand him more perfectly all the time. You know, Paul said, he gave up everything that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and uh, being conformed to his death and so on. He realized that knowing God was of the utmost importance. In Genesis 1.1, we'll kind of go back to the very beginning of the story and lay this foundation for this building that God is building, which is us. He said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That There's a lot in that just one statement. Uh, there was a beginning, God was already here, he had a plan, and he started making things according to his plan, earth and the sky, and all the animals, and the lights in heaven, you know, the stars, and the moon, and the sun, and all that kind of stuff, the birds, and the fish, and he laid all this out, and it's interesting, when he said he made this, he looked at it, and it was good, and evening, the morning, and the first day, second day, and third day, and so on, and so forth. When he got to the sixth day, he started making the animals. And then he said in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, he said, uh, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Now, we're going to get into some of that here in just a minute. But that's his stated desire regarding man. That's a purpose. He gave man a purpose when he didn't really give any purposes to anything else that he made. You know, he didn't say, let's make the stars in the image of God, or let's make you know, all the creation reveals his character. But we alone, human, human, humankind, uh, mankind was given 
the purpose to display the very nature and the character of God. Uh, the angels were not even given that purpose. They were created beings. And they longed, the Bible says, to look in and find out what that's all about. Um, let's look at some other ideas about God. God says of himself, I am. When Moses said, who do I tell the people sent me? When they say, this God sent you, what's his name? He says, well, I am. I am who I am. Okay, he's very specific. Uh, he's not just any God. Uh, his character isn't malleable. Yeah, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not, it says. Okay, what he says about himself is true. You know, the Bible says God will be found true, though every man might be found a liar. Okay, so God is true, and what he says about himself is true. When it appears that God is being false, go back to rule number one, God is true. He's always truthful. It's impossible, it says in Hebrews, for God to lie. Uh, Another aspect of the character of God that we can get to know and how we can figure out what kind of person he is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when Christ was here, he displayed the very nature and the character of God in a visual way. And it blew people's minds. They couldn't believe what they were seeing or what they were hearing. What do you mean you're like God? What do you mean God's like you? When he told people those things, they tried to kill him, stone him and everything else because you being a man made yourself out to be God. Well, he was fully man, but he's also fully God. And so he could say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, he was speaking honestly and truthfully. And he was a challenge to everything everybody believed about God, which means their theology was messed up. Because in Jesus Christ alone, you had a perfect blend of theology, what is said about God, which is always true, and anthropology, the very purpose and the nature and the character that God is looking for in man. That's, that's, that's the simplicity of the whole thing. All right, so our primary purpose then is to know him because as we get to know God, we're getting to know who he's making us to be. We're getting to know the type of life that will be most fulfilling to us. Whenever we try to live a life different than what we were created for, we are always left unfulfilled, feeling like, oh, that, that was kind of nice, but it just was empty, or, well, that was more destructive than productive, and, or, man, that hurt, I, you know, hope I don't do that again. And so looking for ways to fulfill our lives apart from God's purpose for us. And the way we go about finding that purpose will always be disappointing and destructive. Um, you know, what we, what we believe about God is important, but here's two, here's two areas of our makeup as humans that we need to be aware of. We have thoughts and we have emotions. Okay, and that's not all we're made up of, but let's just look at those two areas. I can think about God in certain ways based on the Bible studies I've done, the reading I've done, people I've listened to. I get rational concepts of God. God is good. God is all-powerful. God is holy. And I begin to put these things together. God is love. And these are a, a rational concept of God. It's, it's a, um, a mental thing, okay? 
But we also have feelings about God. And those feelings about God form what I would call an emotional concept of God. And all of us have both a rational concept of God and an emotional concept of God. And a lot of times those don't match. Sometimes they tend to blend because we tend to feel what we really believe about God. But I know I believe some things about God that I don't always feel is true. I feel he's acting differently than always in my best interest. Sometimes I feel like he's off doing something way more important than me. You know, he had a to-do list that day and I wasn't on the list. And so I'm just kind of stuck over here fending for myself. Now that means I have a rational concept of God. God is totally engaged in my life. He'll never leave me or forsake me. But some days I feel as though I'm on my own. All right, so how did that come about? Well, a lot of our emotional concept of God uh, those ideas come from other people we've known in life, really significant authority figures uh, who loved us. But, you know, the deal is my dad loved me, but he couldn't be with me all the time. He cared about me, but he didn't always have the right answers. Um, uh, he was a good man, but his motives were not always pure. All right, but he was a very significant person in my life, and so was your dad and your mom and your uncles and your basketball coaches and whoever else was significant in your life. And so we develop feelings about authority figures that we have a tendency to superimpose on God. That becomes our emotional concept of God. And so we can feel forsaken, although we know he'll never leave us. So the big question is, how am I going to respond in the situation I'm in? Am I going to respond as one who's never forsaken? Or am I going to respond as one who's been abandoned? Well, that's the big question. We'll get into that somewhere later in the whole series. But the flesh is built around those emotional concepts, not only of God, but of ourselves, our anthropology, what we say about ourselves. Because the word theology just means God words. Uh, theo about God. Ology is words about God. Okay, so theology means just words about God. Anthropology, anthros, is just about man. Okay, that's man. And ology, what do we say about man? Okay, so what I think of, feel, and say about myself, some days is consistent with what God says, and some days it's not. All right, so um, as we get to know God, Hopefully, our rational concept of God is being improved. Uh, and our emotional concept of God is gradually coming in line with that. Now, that tends to be a lot slower. I can change my mind in a moment when I realize a new truth. But my, as, a, as a, uh, an author, I just love to listen to and read his stuff. Dr. Bill Gillen would say, your feeler is stuck. <laughs> Uh, we get stuck in that feeling of abandonment, feeling of worthlessness, feeling of I'm better than everybody else. You know, whatever the lie we believed about ourselves, our feelings tend to be stuck in that mode. But we have to take those thoughts captive that revolve around those old feelings and bring them in line with God's word, God's word, and begin to act in our moments in faith in what is true, rather than necessarily what we feel, because uh, your feelings are not always telling you what's true, they're just telling you what you feel like is true in the moment based on certain stimulus and the way you interpret it. 
All right, so words about man, our anthropology. What do we what do we think about man? What do we say about him? Well, we need to think and say what God says about man because he's the builder. He's the one that decides our purpose in life. Uh, ultimately, for everyone, is to display his nature and character. Individually, there's uh, gifts and talents and opportunities that I have that God can display his character through me in this arena, you know, in the building industry, as a chaplain, uh, wherever I have found myself in life. Yeah, but the stated purpose for our existence is revealed in Genesis 1.26 when he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Anything that's distorting the image of God and the likeness of God in you and through you is uh, the world trying to repurpose you for some other reason. Uh, generally, it's the people in the world, and they want you to do something that would make them feel good rather than doing what God wants. Uh, and in reality, if I do what the world wants me to do, it doesn't make any of us feel good, them or me. Okay. Finding God's purpose for my life, finding God's purpose for your life, is the ultimate realization of satisfaction. You know, in his presence is the fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. We will never find satisfaction in what the world tries to turn us into. It will always leave us empty and wanting. And then he gave man something to do, let him rule over the uh, fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the sky and the cattle and the, all the earth and everything that creeps on the earth. Now, he didn't say let him rule over man. Man's not on the list. So we're not to rule over each other, but we're to rule over his creation, take care of it. Garden, you know, take care of the garden, he told Adam and Eve, and cultivate it and uh, be a steward of God's resources. Because in the things we do with our hands, uh, we get to express our nature and our character. And I would see that in the building industry. Some people had great character and you can trust that when they came in and did some subcontract work for me, that their work would be good and reliable. Others couldn't care less. All they wanted was the paycheck and it showed in their workmanship. You know, so he's, he, gives, he gives us stuff to do, and in what people do, you see their character expressed. Not necessarily their true character, but the one they believe to be true about themselves. I've seen men and women who had great potential, but they believed they were never good enough. And so they tended to not finish jobs, or they would do a sloppy job because that's who they thought themselves to be, when in reality they had great potential to do wonderful uh, things that they were given responsibility for. Uh, man is the only part of God's creation with this stated purpose. I said that a while ago. And he didn't say, let us make birds in our image and according to our likeness. Now, like I said, Romans 1 says, God's character is revealed in everything he made. Just like the workman I was talking about a second ago. Uh, you can tell sometimes who had been in the house that was being built by the workmanship that was there. They had certain signatures that they would leave in the way they went about doing their work that was unique to their uh, craftsmanship. Others, you could tell they'd been there because it was sloppy. Well, that must have been so-and-so <laughs> or someone who worked just like him. Um, you know, being conformed to the image of Christ, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, is God's goal. So he started out in Genesis 1, 26, it let us make man in our image. 
Romans 8, 29 says, Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. They be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So he started with an objective for man and a purpose, and he is still on task. God has never changed his purpose for you and me. Jesus came and died so we could be in the image of Christ. Uh, he put his Holy Spirit in us so we could walk and, and talk and live conform to his image, walking with the Father by faith, uh, doing the things that please him day in and day out. Uh, now we're given other things to do, you know, carpenter, lawyer, you know, candlestick maker, what is the old saying, you know? Uh, but as we go about doing those things, you know, Adam and Eve were given the garden to tend, that's just a place when our character can, and where, when and where our character can be displayed. Uh, now here's the deal. <laughs> um, you know, you've heard statements like you can be anything you want to be and all that kind of stuff, just work hard and all that. Here's the deal. We were not created to see what we can do. God didn't create us and turn us loose. Yeah, I wonder what they'll do. He created us to display what he can do. And that's very different. Uh, he didn't create us to find some uh, subpar purpose for our existence and do it really well. He created us to live up to the ultimate purpose that he created us for, which is being like him. Living the way he lives, loving the way he loves, speaking the words he speaks. And we'll, we'll cover a lot of that in pretty detailed uh, fashion later on in the series. Uh, the world has ideas for us, and God has ideas for us. Uh, years ago, I found this large light bulb. And a lot of times I'll use a light bulb to illustrate this. You know, think about a light bulb. How did it, how did it come to be? Well, you know, most of us have heard about Thomas Edison and the thousands of attempts he made to get a light bulb to shine uh, when electricity was run through the filament. And they kept burning out. Eventually he found one, I think it was a tungsten alloy, that would receive the electricity, would glow bright, and wouldn't burn up quickly. Okay, well, what else went into that light bulb? Well, there was that filament that had to be researched after years and years of research and finally found one that worked. There was a glass bulb. Well, in order to make glass, I think they take silica and they melt it down and then they form it into this bulb. And then there was a, a little screw-in base at the bottom. It's used back then in those days it was brass. You know, nowadays it's aluminum. Um, there's kind of like a ceramic material in there that holds the little stems that the filament goes between. And all those materials had to be uh, researched and um, developed and refined and formed and put together and then there's a vacuum inside the light bulb so that the oxygen uh, will not help the, the filament to burn up and all that process went into making that bulb. Why? So that when it's screwed into a socket and somebody flips a switch it will shine. No great Great revelation there. Well, this really large light bulb I found literally is about the size of a football. Um, I thought it was really cool. It was laying beside the road. It's actually burned out. It had worn out. 
and I think somebody had changed the street light. It's a metal halide light bulb. It's on the it's on the uh, bookshelf in my office as a reminder that uh, I use that light bulb for a knickknack. It's on my shelf. It looks cool. People comment on it, but that's not why it exists. It exists to receive power and shine. You know, Jesus said you receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what happens is the light of Christ shines out of us. That's our purpose. But the world does like I did to the light bulb. I turned it into a knickknack. They turn us into knickknacks. You know, useful items that look cool. Just don't say nothing. Just stand there in the corner and look cool. Or, okay, yeah, I know you were created for that, but I want you to do this over here. And they repurpose us. Well, let me tell you something. If everything that went into developing and making and producing light bulbs is done and the light bulbs don't shine, then everything that went into producing that light bulb was a complete waste of time. Uh, that's not what they were there for. Okay. What if none of the light bulbs ever made ever shined? Well, I don't think we would have made quite so many, but it would have been a waste of time. Uh, God is not wasting his time. And in order to finish what he started, God knew before the foundation of the world, Christ was going to have to die to remove the barrier of sin. And Paul said in Philippians 3, I gave up everything that he thought would make him righteous and received the righteousness by faith, the righteousness from God on the basis of faith. He says that I might know him. Really get to know God because when you really get to know God, you're getting to know the blueprint for you. Now that's the foundation of everything I teach and believe. God is up to something and he is who he is. And regarding me and all human beings, he has a plan in mind and he's never diverted from that plan. He's not accepting change orders to the blueprint. The blueprint is perfect and he's it. He's the blueprint. And so his Holy Spirit is working through new birth, his indwelling presence through renewing our mind and all those things to conform us to the image of Christ so that the reason he created us will be expressed. And I'll finish with this. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And later he told the disciples, you're the light of the world. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was. No, they are. The truth is they're both true. The light of the world lives inside believers. And his light shines out of believers. It's almost more like a flashlight where you put the, the power source on the inside that energizes the flashlight so that the light produced by the power on the inside shines out in the dark places. Well, if you have any questions, please contact me. I'd love to talk to you about it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have created us on purpose and for a purpose. Thank you that it's actually quite simple, even though the world makes it complicated. Thank you that we can all find this purpose for our existence and enjoy it. Uh, I pray that you will enlighten us to the things that block our ability to know and understand you and uh, guide us past those barriers so that as we know you, we'll, we'll trust you, and as we trust you, we will cooperate with the leading of your spirit within and live life in the way you intended when you said, let us make man in our image. Thank you that you're on the job 
And it's not we who makes ourselves, it's you that are making us and you will not fail on any of your children. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen.